podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day, it's James Baldwin here welcoming you to another episode of Oz F1, Australia's favourite Formula One podcast, as we review the Brazilian Grand Prix, which turned out to be, well, at least the second half of the race, the best race, at least according to me, of 2019. And I have to apologise for a little bit late of an upload for this, but trying to find everyone's schedules at the same time is very difficult, which is why we only have one Thomas today, Thomas J. Kemp. Hello, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? I am well. We're missing a Tommy T. Tommy, big shout out to you, my friend. He is on an aeroplane as we speak, flying to do wonderful coffee things. Where is he, Uganda? Going to Uganda and then to the States, I believe. He's going to New York for a couple of weeks. My man. Mm. Lucky, we, lucky for a few. We miss him terribly. We we'll, do. Uh, we'll try and hook him up uh, via the on the line for the next uh, podcast. But anyway, uh, moving on to the important things, mate, because I'll tell you what, that Brazilian Grand Prix just threw so many random things at us towards the end of the race, didn't it? Oh, it did. It was great. It was a pretty stock standard race for the first, like the first sort of 45 laps. And yep. then, then we had that crucial incident between the two Ferraris, which uh, really set the tone for the rest of the race. We had a couple of uh, couple of safety cars, lots of positions, lots of crashes. and It was awesome. Yeah, it was good to watch. I mean, it reminded me a lot of Germany. Well, that's it. We were just saying before the podcast uh, that it, I said it was the best race of 2019 after the uh, safety car and Campy said, well, Germany was pretty good as well. And why do we love races like this? Because it's pandemonium. It's just mayhem. If things go out the window, you're like, I cannot believe that just happened. Yeah, and... This is my bone to pick with motorsport sometimes is that we only see these sort of races when incidents happen. Sometimes they can just follow a pretty predictable pretty predictable result from, uh, yeah. result from start to finish. Yep. But this these when the when incidents happen they just cause some great great results for people and uh and yes. it certainly happened this time. Well look, let's yes. before we get into it, let's talk about what's going on in the paddock because we've had two Teams, pretty significant teams in the paddock, confirm their driver lineup for 2020. Obviously, that is Red Bull and Alpha Tori. Alpha Tori. <laughs> I was going to say Toro, so it's going to happen again. It's going to be like Racing Point, Force India, and Sauber. You're not wrong. Uh, but uh, yeah, so obviously, the exact lineup for drivers is going to stay exactly the same for 2020. And uh, I'm not sold on the Red I'm not sold on Albon, Albon in Red Bull for next year, but yep. they. Red Bull have this history of backing their own talent and promoting within. And yep. after Albon's drive on the weekend, I know there was incidents which allowed him to get up into a possible P2, but yep. um, good on him. He's, yeah, I agree. Uh, for a rookie season to be promoted, they must see something in him. Um, I'm th- not sold on him yet, but nah. congratulations to the guy. He's from his Thai born, so he's in our area of the world, I think. And well, he's, he's actually UK born, flying the Thai flag. Right. So he's that actually, when you look at Lando and George, all three of them are UK-born yep. rookies anyway. Uh, but look, I think you're right. And the, the biggest thing for me with Albon is just seeing his consistent growth in the car. Yep. And you can see that in the Toro Rosso this year. And China's a perfect example of, like he started from the pit lane in China. Yeah. He dominated that. That's like Carlos this weekend going from 20th to 3rd. Like there's yep. proper domination Obviously, he skipped ahead of some people who were physically ahead of him. But seeing drivers like that, and he's a tall boy. He's a little bit older than, I think he's 23. So, a little bit older than the, the rookies in Verticom's crew. But each race, he does a little bit better, a little bit better. And he holds that line every time he gets it. So, you know, all praise to him. If he can have a yep. good summer worth of training, figure it out, take a bit of a deep breath. Because you look at, you know, Charlie Leclerc, he did a great job in Sauber last year. He wasn't always at the, the front of the grid. But after working through summer and working very hard, he performed very well. In fact, he is now he the did. preferred driver of many Ferrari fans over Vettel, which is, is which is astounding, right? Interesting. It's like Alonso all over again. But do you know what I mean? Like it's it's interesting to see how he's changed. I'm gutted for him. But even on Instagram, he said afterwards, you know, he's like, look, it's pretty sad, but. I'm confident that more champagne's going to flow. Yep. Now, I hope it's not a Nico Hulkenberg type situation where he ends up 166 races later <laughs> without a podium still when it was within his grasp, but of course, not his fault. But we will get there. Look, I mentioned Nico Hulkenberg. Um, the 
confirmation of these four drivers in these two teams means that there is only one seat left. Um, oh, and Giovinazzi has, I don't know if we talk, spoke about that yeah, last time. He's last been confirmed. Time, yeah, he so we've got every single seat except for Kubica's seat Kubica. confirmed. And we're pretty confident, as are most of the commentators, that the F2 driver, Latifi, is going to step up. Yeah, that's right. I think historically Williams are pretty real, they're pretty late to announce their driver lineups. And I presume that's from a business model, marketing and sponsorship they actually haven't got a lot of those things wrapped down for 2020 like a lot of the other teams have. And this has sort of been Williams bent for the last two or three years. So they'll announce pretty late. I don't expect to hear anything this year. I think it'll be leading up to their car launch, which we're sort of looking at an early to late February. Yep. We did uh, the same before. with Kubica, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did. really so late. I don't think we'll hear anything on that, but if the mail that we've got is correct, it, it will be Latifi, but... Which is uh, a shame. Nico Hockenberg, uh, last time I joked about it, Formula former Formula One driver. I keep trying to say that very quickly. It doesn't work for me. It looks like he's going to be there. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's a shame, you know, to see such talent go and all that sort of other stuff. But you can't argue the fact that after this many races, this many times of potential, of you know, potential for the podium, that he didn't stand on the podium is pretty hard to ignore when you've got people like Maldonado standing on the podium. Do you know anything is possible? In saying that, though, he's never had a car which deserves That's or true. should be on the podium with any regular sort of interval. In saying that, guys like Checo who are in the same position as Hulkenberg hmm. that have never been in cars that consistently perform at the top end, when they get their chances, they they make the most of them. And yep. Checo's got, I think it's nine or ten podiums. I know he had a year in that uh, McLaren, which didn't go down too well for him, but and they they really he got that promotion way too early. But yeah. take that year out of con like out of out of his results. People like him consistently make these uh, yep. like they, they make the most of their opportunities. And Holt's had those opportunities to do it. But for whatever reason, call it bad luck, poor race strategy, it just hasn't come off for him. I think this year in Germany probably served, sealed his fate. Yeah. He was being spanked by Danny Ricardo. Danny Rick had a, he had a DQ in that Germany race. And if Hulk had have held on, he would have had the podium. Yep. Possibly even the win. Yep. If the Renault had got the tyre strategy right, right at the end and took a gamble to pit under the safety car, he, he possibly could have had the win over Max. So... It's a real shame for Hulk, but mate, you've had you've had 170 odd races, and yeah, it's time to move on. He hasn't quite done enough, and look, I personally very, would like very promising as a junior driver coming up. Absolutely, topped all the ranks, raced all the pedigree, beat all the pedigree that we've seen in the in our sport for many years. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, he got overlooked. But the thing is about this sport is that. The cream does rise to the top. Yeah. The best drivers do get the best cars. And yes, sometimes drivers can get lucky, right place, right time. But gen- genuinely, the, the cream does rise to yep. the top. And Mika Hakkinen is a great there. example yeah, of that. Totally. You know, over Schumacher. Uh, yep. But I think, look, I think you're right. It's, I personally would rather be watching Ocon in the car now because yeah, he's got a so couple more years in the to see what he does. And he wants it more, you know. Nico's had consistent drives for this period of time with Ocon stepping out for a year with all of this stuff going on behind the scenes and trying to find him a drive and everything else. Look, I think Toto Wolff has done a good job in getting him a drive with Renault. I think, uh, and let's be honest, it's probably him who's manages to help secure that deal. Yep. We know how much of an operator he is. Um, but what I really want to say is that as much as it's annoying, and, and I was wrong last podcast, by the way, you were right. Max didn't win with Ocon. I was looking at a different result sheet. I do apologize. But stuff like <laughs> Ocon taking yeah. a risk and being an idiot and unlapping himself, causing – like, that's stupid. But you know what? Incidents like that cause good watching. I do. <laughs> so from yeah. a fan point of view, I'd actually much rather to see that than Nico. And we love to see it. And, and indeed, indeed we, we did. So, Camby, let's talk about the race before we go through team by Ooh. team like we normally do. What was your favourite moment of the race? And there were many to be had. So if you can pick one, what's your favourite moment? My favourite moment? Oh, jeez. I think the think the Ferrari battle, really, that ultimately ended up in the crash. That was, I mean, when Leclerc passed Vettel, I just thought, jeez, off the restart. Mm. 
I just I remember saying to Tommy T, we were watching it. We went we went to a venue and watched it the four AM start in Australia, so it was super early and we were just going pulling our hair out going, Seb will be fuming. Oh yeah. And he was. He was fuming and uh I think that was that would have been my favourite part of the race. That incident. I think for me triggered everything else. Well right? I did Yes. Yeah, yeah, it triggered the enormous success for one team. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> their second best result ever, and he was the reason for both of those <laughs> results, Seb. Hang I mean, on. No, sorry. I'm just – I just remembered. Go on. There was a safety car because – Valtteri. Uh, Valtteri, that's right, and that's what caused the gap to close so much. So this sorry. was going to be my favourite moment of the race is – the thing that we've been saying all year, Mercedes cannot follow other cars properly. The issue with Valtteri's car was an oil consumption issue, but at the time it looked like he was overheating because he was following cars. And that's what they were saying on the commentary as well. It was like, he's overheating. Look at the smoke coming out of this I'm car. I'm surprised he didn't pull into the pits, to be honest, because he only they called it really three corners later. Yep. No, you're not wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like we're pouring smoke out the back coming and that is a straight that is going uphill so there's more pressure on the motor. Sorry, yep. the internal combustion unit, <laughs> the ICU. Uh, yeah. Um, it just – that it's caused a whole a bunch motor. of things. Anyway, so it, it, that that moment for me and my favourite part of it is he actually did the right thing because he drove it as far as he could down to an escape road thinking there won't be a safety car or it'll just be nice and easy they can push it back. No, nope, because everyone's like, oh, well, look, he's done the gentlemanly thing, of which Valtteri, we can't argue, is a gentleman in this sport. Yeah. Driven it down over a lot of bumps, it looked like he went forward driving for a bit. And, you know, Martin Brundle's like, yeah, well, he's done the right thing. And then the safety car flag has come out, or the signs, and everyone's like, oh, safety car, safety car. And everyone starts I, pitting, and oh, it was just I mayhem. Was, I was shocked we got a safety car in the first place. Yeah, it's the only – it's uh, the biggest decision the, the racing director has made since – I honestly think the stewards have had a stinker this weekend. Yep. I think all through this race they've they made some poor poor decisions, in my opinion. They they had a, a good run though. Danny Rick V. Magnuson at the start. <laughs> I think look, there was one angle that made it look bad for Danny Rick, but Danny Rick's on board, I was like Yeah. Kevin probably should have given a bit more room there. And Anyone else, let's be honest, if it was Checo or Stroll, Different story. Hulkenberg, anyone else in that mid-pack would have given room. Even Grosjean. Yeah. But we know that K-Mag, and like, fair enough, he's a nice enough guy apparently out of the car, but in the car he's just, <laughs> he's a dickhead. <laughs> anyway, I didn't, I didn't say that. I don't think the stewards got it right this weekend. I think it would have been a very different race if they'd just called a uh, virtual safety car to get... Yes. To pull an actual safety car out for what happened wasn't like there was lots of carbon fibre on the track. Not of that incident, it wasn't. The next yeah. one there was, but uh, it, that was the was the that was the part of the race where it all happened. Really, wasn't it? That decision ultimately created what we saw for the rest of the race. Otherwise, it would have been a pretty standard, stock standard, uh, boring race. Yeah. Well, anyway. that so. We had it's a seventy-one lap race, it so is. that's important to remember because we're going to come to talk about Ferrari a little bit later on. Who was your driver of the race, Campy? Ah, uh, Max. He just managed it from the front under pressure, Didn't he? Under, especially with Lewis. That yeah. little battle with Lewis at the end. Ooh, Maxi boy. The thing that shocked me about Max is that pit stop they had. Red Bull pulled a one point eight four second pit stop out when world record. World. Re- it was great to see. And then Williams released Kubica unsafely, which really hindered Max Verstappen's whole pit stop. Yep. Which allowed Hamilton to get back in front. What shocked me was how quickly Max got past Lewis. I don't think Lewis was expecting it. There was talk on the radio that we heard about three laps later that there was a problem with um, with his overtake button on yep. the, and it wasn't working. But I was still shocked to see how quickly that Red Bull mowed down Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes on that straight. And you knew Max wanted this. Oh, yeah. He was so hungry for this win. So hungry. Yeah, and it was good to say. I think he controlled the race from, you know, to get to pass Hamilton on track after the, like... If you looked on no, paper... No, no fault of his own. If you looked on paper, he got first in qualifying. Yep. yep. 
and then he got first in the race. Yep. Pretty boring. If you actually go through what happened in the race, yeah. it was phenomenal, a phenomenal yeah. uh, phenomenal race by him. Uh, and, at, and at the start too, uh, just quickly. Yeah, sure. Hamilton came on the road and said, Max is going for it. He's not managing. He's not doing a pace. He is going as quick and as hard as we can. And that's what we want to see. They ultimately left Ferrari behind them in their wake. And there was nothing Valtteri could do to get past them. But Max and Lewis put on a massive gap to Seb before it all, yep. the, the carnage came back in and Ferrari stuffed up their pit stops, which we will get to. But, um, mate, that's what we want to see in F1. We want to see these drivers get out the front and go fast. The... Favourite team on the day? I'm going to go first. I think Red Bull, for me, best team on the day, just in terms of managing everything that was yeah, going on. And right. especially, you know, if everything didn't – it will happen the way that Albon wanted it to, they would have got a 1-2. Potentially a 1-2-3 two, two, Honda. I was going to say, Dietrich would have been super excited at one Mate, one the stage. Honda rep would have just lost his mind. He would yeah. have imploded with joy. Yeah. He cried last time Max got – you know, came first with the Honda engine. Imagine yeah. all three. How good is that for uh, a bit of – Marketing that they had nothing to do with. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, true. But uh, <laughs> one, two, three in the Brazilian Grand Prix. I would, you know, I know Lewis would want to have had the race win and everything. But part of me wants to believe that he would have gone. That would actually be good for the sport as well. Maybe I'll just stay in fourth. Uh, he's not like that. No, I know. But you know, he's not. I'd like to to think that at some point some racing drivers have that. Yes. Bigger view, but of and course they about, don't in the what car. About you, mate. Who's your driver? Oh, look, of I think. The day. You know, I, I think Albon did a great job to, to stay where he was, but you can't go past Max. Just that, and I, you mentioned it, but the specific incident with Williams coming out of that pit stop, yeah. as he got past, and he was literally like, are you kidding? Like, get out of my way. Whoever yep. released Kubica oh. is such a twat because if oh. you look at what's going, it's like, he's already lapped us once. We might as well let him go past because we know he's going to go past again. Yep. And potentially, anyway. Just a joke of a human, whoever that person is. They're way too competitive for hey, they, their and, own good. And Red Bull, big shout out. Two, one, two sub two second pit stops for Max throughout the race. 1.84 and 1.9, I think the other one was. Incredible. It's, it's good to watch. Oh, yeah. That boys are on it. Max V8 supercars and even Indy cars, their changeovers. Oh, it's it's like, this come is on. Stupid. What are we doing? I've watched half the race and it's pit stops is half of it. There's only yeah. a 20 lap race. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, F1 driver we've spoken about, but <laughs> on my notes here it says, which F1 driver do you think each other are? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> said you're acting a lot like Lewis. I'm disappointed that I've read it out now, but uh, I think we can both say that yeah. uh, right. this, so, time, this time around is Tommy is Kimi Raikkonen from up until last weekend. He's MIA. <laughs> He's just he's a bit hungover. I can drink like Kimmy, so I'll... Yeah, you can. If you were to choose a Formula 1 driver that you were most like, who would it be? It's who I want to be like, not who I'm actually like, I think. Because sometimes I think right, I'm like K-Mag. All right, we'll go self-assessment, and then we'll go what the I think. <laughs> and then we'll go vice versa. Ah, man, I think I'm probably... Oh, I'm going to make an absolute fool of myself here. <laughs> I want to be like Daniel Ricciardo, but I'm not mm-hmm. at all. I'm not that, that easygoing and naturally gifted. I have to work exceptionally hard to do the things that I do, <laughs> uh, which probably makes me more like Grosjean. <laughs> <laughs> Is that and a I self-assessment? Still, and I still have failures and Ericsson come and hits me when he was nowhere near me. I was actually going to say you were probably most a lot Grosjean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're off my Christmas card list. Oh, I'm taking geez. myself and you off at the same time. Oh, that's very funny. Grosjean, bloody hell. That makes me disappointed in myself. And what about me, mate? Well, who am I most like? I think you're like a little bit like Carlos Sainz, to be honest. I think you're just in a little bit of the background. You're just quietly achieving and then somehow hours later you get promoted to third. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that is a great – I'll take that on. Thanks, yeah, I mate. think you should. That's a compliment. Grosjean's not a compliment, just as a sidebar. <laughs> You've got a bit of Seb in you too, in the sense that – Okay, well, I'm happy to take that. A very high-achieving individual. Doesn't – Thank you. Doesn't settle Good for recovery. anything. This is a bathtub-style – Anything other than – Assessment. The absolute best and perfection. Yep, and then if I don't like it, I crash into somebody. <laughs> yeah, well – 
I wasn't going to go on that side. We'll but I would put a lot of seven you as well. Okay, thank you, that. thank you, thanks for covering that. All right, well, let's move. <laughs> let's Grosjean and no. signs quickly out of this. Well, who do you think you are? Yeah, I've got no idea. I really have no idea. I think you'd like I, to be Max. Nah, no, nah, I'm not. Max is you're too, not young enough anymore. Max is too highly strung for me. I'm pretty laid back. That's why I said Carlos. I think for a lot of like, is he's he's achiever, but he doesn't look stressed about it. Yeah. He's just seeing oh, smooth so. operator yeah, in I'll, the I'll car. take Carlos. I'll okay. take that. Carlos and Grosjean's view then of the 2019 Brazilian Grand Prix <laughs> brought to you by Campy and James on their behalf. All right, let's do as we always do. We go through uh, each of the teams, uh, team by team, from back to front. We're going to start as always or as often now uh, with Williams right at the very back. Robert Kubica finishing in 16th. Uh, Campy, the only thing that Williams did of note this time around was put Kubica in the way of Max, which I did. And that's it. All I saw was uh, he and George fighting each other at the back of the grid, mate. There doesn't seem like there was a lot of anything from them this weekend. No, I think that team and the pit crew, more importantly, will be very much looking forward to the end of the season in Abu Dhabi in two weeks' time. They've had a shocker, and for Kubica to bin it, this weekend in practice. Oh, yes. Was it practice three? Or mm. I can't remember, but he binned it and they had to give him a whole new chassis. I just think for that team at this time of the year, the amount of work that crew has done because of driver error, not so much because of the car, yeah. must be super frustrating. They finally scored one point for the whole year um, and they've never had a look in really. Been so far off the pace. It's pretty tough. So, yeah, but again... Russell wasn't – we didn't see much of them. He didn't qualify nope. overly well. He was pretty close to finishing in the points, which is close for Williams. Yeah. Uh, that was 12th. <laughs> anyway, I think we can move on. But uh, that's that's kind of all that they did. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, Renault, unfortunately, to be this far back. Um, he finished in 15th and, uh, well, Danny Ricciardo finished in 6th uh, after Lewis Hamilton's demotion. Um Tell you what, it, we said it before, it's sad to see Nico go, go. He wasn't really doing all that much this time around, so let's just focus on our boy, Danny Rick. Now, Daniel had a bit of a moment, didn't he? Uh, he did. Coming up against K-Mag, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, Campy. Talk us through the actual event itself, because there was a couple of camera angles, and it feels like he might have dropped the ball a bit, but maybe not. I don't think he does. Look... I know I'm biased, and I'm trying to take my unbiased hat off. Don't even do that. at the time, it's always fun, mate. Keep your biased hat on. This is what we do. Even at the time, going with Tommy, I'm like, that's a racing incident. Yeah, like Danny Rick's gone up the inside. He had a small lock up, but he controlled it. The angle on that corner just didn't. Let's be honest. It didn't can... allow a lot of room on the exit. But when you're entering that corner, I think Danny Rick's car was in the perfect position. Yep. I think if you had another tier A driver or someone that's not as aggressive as K-Mag on track, different story. Would have been a hell of a lot more room. But K-Mag definitely, he didn't leave as much room as what the commentators was were saying. No. And to cop a five-second penalty, it compromised, ultimately compromised Danny Rick for a podium at the end of the day, yep. in my opinion. Yep. But, oh, it's... I hate to say it, but his recovery, and I know safety cars and other things that happened, but his recovery drive was pretty spectacular. Um, and it's good to see he, his race pace compared to Hulkenberg's, particularly this weekend. All year he's pretty much spanked him, but, geez, it was much quicker. And I don't know what Renault's, Renault's strategy was doing for Hulk because he just was nowhere all race. It's really? almost like they're starting to give up a little bit on him, aren't they? Which well, is a bit sad. You'd hope not, but no, he really, he was nowhere all race. And that's a car that I would expect to be, you know, better than a lot of the midfield teams other than McLaren. I think they're sort of, they're, they're not on par. McLaren's slightly better, but yeah, he struggled behind the Williams. Oh, sorry, the Force India. Jeez, oh, the Force Indias. <laughs> the racing points. <laughs> See, you're doing it as well. The Toro Rossos yeah. and the Hasses all weekend. And I just, I, in a, I just don't get it. Whereas Danny Rick can make those moves pretty spectacularly. So, and he did get a lot of luck with the safety cars. I mean, so did the so did the podium drivers really, other than Max. But uh, we'll get to that later. Yeah, it was a 
Not a great weekend for Renault, I don't think. No, look, Danny did a great job in coming oh, back from that. You know, they put him, he put him right at the very back of the grid, and you know we've seen him, him do it before in a Red Bull as well as a few other Red Bull drivers where they go to the back and any of the top really three teams that are able to bring it back again. Look, to finish six is no mean feat, no. you know, especially from where he was. Uh, he apologised publicly about the incident and said, you know. You know, doesn't want to do that to people's races. But as you say, ultimately, as far as we're concerned, a racing incident, that's what we think. Uh, the stewards didn't agree. But um, as you said, Kevy earlier, the stewards were all over the place when it came to their decision-making. Uh, and you think how much time he lost. I mean, he lost five seconds at his next pit stop. He probably only lost four or five seconds because of the damage to the front wing on the remainder of his lap that he was in. But you add that extra seven or eight seconds that it takes to change a front wing, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about 15 to 20 second range. If he had have had that up his sleeve and had have stayed on track, knowing the incidents we had at the end, oh. and he was on the medium, so he was going to go long anyway. That was his That was his strategy. And we know that motor can pull that thing quickly in a straight line. I think he would have been pretty gutted sitting at the end of the line. I think a bit like Germany where he had the had the mechanical, he just would have been biting his teeth going, geez, that's another chance that we let go. Not that any not that I think it was all his fault, but yeah, it was just a bit of a kick in the teeth, I think. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Okay, let's talk about Hass. Hass came at 11th and 13th this time around. So K-Mag, we just spoke about as well. He's always had an impacted race as well, but it, it goes to show that, you know, at the same time, both of them losing out, you know, you've got Daniel in an ability to jump that many more spots compared to Kevin. Again, he's just a superstar driver. I know we're just saying this because of Daniel uh, bias, but that's okay. This is why you listen to Oz F1. We are completely Daniel Ricciardo biased, yep. and that is okay. Uh, myself, Roman Grosjean, <laughs> uh, finishing in 13th. <laughs> he got spanked by so many people. All I, all I saw of him on track was overtaking moves down into the, the centre S's, basically. Well, at least they got their one-lap qualifying pace back this weekend. They yep. both, they're both qualified in the top ten. They can't figure out why, though. Roman had a great like – he, he qualified really well. Yep. Had a pretty good weekend this weekend. Yep. And we've seen – we know what Grosjean's capable of in a car. Yep. You know, and he's competent. He's very good. Whether or not he's that top tier, we don't. I don't think so. I think but he slipped. He might have been top tier back in the day. I think he slipped. I think him and Magnussen have had a pretty good year in the sense of how they compete with each other. Yep. Pretty evenly matched. Just comes down to track dependency. But they qualify well. But yeah, race pace has been dismal, shocking to say the least. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to choose the teams that we go through next, but let's do uh, a racing point. Uh, Sergio Perez finishing in ninth and Lance Stroll going out on the same lap as the Ferrari crash after the Ferrari crash. Uh, he It was because of debris, wasn't it? Yeah, but it looked like his, his complete right front wheel just decided the steering arm gave up. It's kind of bizarre. I mean, there was a lot of debris. Yeah. Um, but we'll get talked about the debris in the next team. Uh, Checo having a pretty decent race. I mean, nothing really to write home about compared to last week uh, where he basically won the Mexican Grand Prix. <laughs> Sorry, the week before last. Please. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway. Again, not much really happening from the racing point. Yeah, I didn't Garage. See, didn't see much of them this weekend. I Two mean, points, Stroll, though. They can't be upset by that. Stroll didn't get out of... Again, Q three again, which is he needs to pick that sort of pace up. But yeah, it's kind of like a maybe Nico Hockenberg would be better at racing point than Stroll. His best app, it, Stroll's best attribute is his uh, is his first lap of the race pace. He's made up a bucket That's load true. of positions and has through his whole career. So credit where credit is due, but we didn't say much of them. Just needs to be sustainable. Get him in a better car, find some form that they sort of had two or three years ago, and. Uh, could see some pretty exciting midfield battles next year. Now, we don't normally talk about this team this early on, but Ferrari. The Ferraris. Lap 65 was a whole thing. Now, you mentioned just before when you were watching with Tommy, uh, when Seb lost, it was, again, it was Santa S's where Charlie came through and yep. uh, took him. Now, we're talking in the first DRS zone, which is the first straight, if you will. And if you haven't seen it. The back straight. The back <laughs> <laughs> kind of is, I guess. No, there's a very short back straight yeah. before the main straight. Just after the center S's, right? So the, just after the center S's, they've come in and, you know, you, you've got 
this young kid, Sebastian Vettel, you got this young kid who's been a pain in your ass all year, basically, and is just taking you. You've got DRS, though. You, you're within one second of him yeah. when you cross the DRS uh, zone, and you've got a pretty wide bit of track here. Yep. Now, yeah. instead of going on the inside, With he the goes on the outside, which is less. And even Charles said, I thought he was going to go on the inside. Still got past him. And you would expect it. DRS open, yeah. a good slipstream. He slingshots around the outside. But <laughs> he then starts to move left. Instead of staying in a straight line and outbreaking Charles, which probably would have been what he should have done, yeah. he moved across. But he moved across a lot to a point where it forced Charles to either break or turn. And he kind of ended up having to do both at once because Charles's front right clipped. Seb. Seb's rear left. Rear which left. sent out, yeah, yep, which yep. sent out both wheels yeah. in, <laughs> it was the smallest of knocks really and when you look at it. We've seen. And caused the most seen, damage. We've seen incidents this year. Think back to the lap one at the USA mm. where we had some cars get airborne on that first turn and nothing happened. But this looked like a pretty minor impact and Caused two Huge. Ferraris to DNF. And there was carbon fibre ev- and debris I mean, I can, everywhere. I can understand why it happened because a lot of the, a lot of the wheel touching we see is sort of tyre face against tyre face. face. Yep, yep. This was the rear of uh, Leclerc's front wheel and the front of um, Seb. Seb's rear wheel. Yeah, yep. If, sorry, yep. does that make sense? It does. And... The amount of force going, like the engine putting the torque in that rear wheel, I, th- I can see why it happened. It was a real shame. I think Leclerc probably should have reacted. Yeah. I don't think Vettel expected him to be where he was because I looked at Vettel's onboards and, I mean, it, it's not like he deviated his line so yep. much that – He was just trying to get the racing line back, right? Totally. Yeah. Which is which Fair he enough. had the whole time. I just yep. – yeah, it was – there would have been – Seb would have had fire in his eyes after that overtaking to turn one. So Yeah. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the Ferrari briefing room yesterday. I don't think Monday. it matters. They've thrown away another shot at a world championship and a constructors, so They're so good at it though, at least they're consistent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Well anyway. That's it it's certainly caused an absolute mayhem for the rest of it, which is why we're talking about them back there. And I said just before it's remember that there was 71 laps. So this happened lap 65. There was so much debris. It took them ages to clean this up. Yep. Now, when the safety car comes out, Lewis Hamilton is leading the race. 65, wasn't it? No, no, lap 65 is is how many? They did 65 laps. So it was... When that incident happened. Yep. So you've got... So does that mean... When did Valtteri... 51. 51. You sure that's how it worked? Yeah, okay, right. So you've got... I when thought, this happens, I thought the um, sorry, I thought the Hamilton Albon incident happened on lap sixty five because no. then they had three laps of safety car to clean that up and then two laps to finish. No, there was no cleaning up of Hamilton and oh, Albon. Beautiful. There was right. just a spin for Albon. Um, so Hamilton's leading at this point when the safety car is called. Do the opposite of Max. No, he's leading. So Max. Peter, the, the, the first safety right. car with Valtteri. That's right. The instruction to Lewis was do the opposite. Box check, do opposite of Verstappen. Yeah. Verstappen pits. More aggressive strategy, and it seemed to work for him. Hamilton starts complaining. He's on tyres that are older. So he pits. As soon as the safety car comes out, lap 65, he pits. Why he has done this, Mercedes just put themselves off the podium, basically. It didn't always end up like that because... By about lap 67, 68, by the time this has all sorted itself out. So yeah. lap 66 basically is when the safety car comes out. By lap 68, 69, and we've got lap 69 by the time the safety car yeah. comes in, people were like, if this debris stays on, and Carlos Sainz, who was you know up there, was like, Threw nah, so much debris, don't don't <laughs> restart it. you know. So, and yeah. Hamilton's like, there's no debris, let's get this thing restarted. <laughs> um, there was there's all this stuff going on. If they had finished under the safety car, Man. Hamilton threw away a podium. That really. top three would have been 
nothing. Well, it would have been Max. Yeah. It would have been Albon, and I'm pretty sure it would have been Gasly. Gasly yeah, it would have been Gasly. Yeah. It would have been that Honda one to three. Carlos would have been fourth. Anyway, so there's. It was just super bizarre. Anyway, that didn't happen, and in fact, we had the restart with three laps remaining. Uh, and it's I think it's a nice time to talk about Mercedes now because Lewis Hamilton finished in seventh, uh, and Valtteri, as we said, just he bowed out earlier. You've got all of these this pressure on you for the whole year to to win the championship, right? He's won the championship. He's come to this race, you know, the winner again. Yep. He still bloody wants it though. He still oh, wants he that does. win. He is just hungry for the. And it's to be honest, it's kind of nice to see that he hasn't just sail and go. Okay, so I think he's got Schumacher's Schumacher's uh, race win record in his sights, and I don't think he's going to let anyone take it off him. Watch out, Valtteri, next year. And well, everyone else next year, depending on what happens with the cars. We don't well, know we don't at this know. point with what, uh, you know, summer testing is going to look like. Interesting, Toto had a week off this weekend too. Wrapped up the drivers and the constructors' championship and he thought, I just need to spend some time with my family. So was it James Allison that was running the team this weekend? And I think he, they up until that pit stop where they said do the opposite of Max, um, I think they had it pretty right. They, I, I think they should have pitted him. Yeah, I think regardless regardless of what Max did, I think they should have pitted him. Um, he would have lost Brazil some track is, position, but with brand new tyres around that track. Oh, and Brazil is not a track position track, not like Singapore. Like you can, there are so many overtaking opportunities, and you get close enough to those cars. For how tight and twisty this track seems to look from a layout perspective, it induces some of the best racing that we've oh, yeah. ever seen on an F1 track. Think back to Felipe Massa, Lewis Hamilton, oh. 2008, Hamilton's first world champion. Like the last lap, Massa crossed the line as world champion. And then Takuma Sato pits, which gives Lewis the extra position, which gives him the, the world championship and his maiden won it. Just induces some great racing. So, And especially around, you know, you, you look at overtakes into uh, turn 10, where you sort of have to still break in a straight line before you, And there were yeah. some overtakes coming out of nine. You're like, well, how did you even get the car yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. It's Man. good to say. So, it's good to say. So good. Okay, so look, Mercedes is interesting. Let's just talk about Toto very quickly because there's a bit – and we didn't. We should have said this at the beginning of the podcast. There's a bit of conversation around what Toto is going to do next. He's done all this stuff now with Mercedes. He feels like he's achieved it. There's rumours around him stepping into the sport and managing the sport instead of managing Mercedes, doing a, a Ross Braun-esque kind of situation. And uh, Lewis is talking about he needs to know basically what Toto's doing before he decides what he's doing after next year. Good, good. I think F1 would be smart, uh, dumb to get rid of someone like Toto. Oh, yeah. Incredibly uh, hyper-intelligent I mean, and capable. Team manager for the works Mercedes group. He's not just running, he's a global ambassador and he's the man. I mean, outside of the drivers, they do their job, but everything behind closed doors, all the business, all the corporate, all the R&D, he's the man. And he has performed superbly well, particularly in this new, this, this turbo hybrid era. And unfortunately, now we're looking at it after six straight drivers and constructors championships, there's a ceiling on him. Which he should, he needs to look at yeah. moving up because it doesn't matter what you do, what position you're in, you get complacent and you almost get stale in the environment you're working in. We would look at it and say, How would you ever get that being the man at Mercedes F1 team? But um, it becomes the norm, I think, and then you get over it. But again, very much like Ross Braun. Yeah. You know, the highs of everything was was the uh, team manager at Ferrari, gave that the arse eventually, yep. did his brawn thing. It was like, I've, I've scaled all the heights this this sport can offer other than driving. So I think it would be dumb for F1 to... To not take him. To not take him and not develop into a role. I mean, be interesting to see when he does it. It would be interesting if the last year for him is the same last year for Lewis and where Lewis... I mean, Ferrari's probably the only where he's... Anywhere he's going to go. Imagine Lewis in Red Bull. Oh, does he go? Does he go down the Zach Brown line and become, you know, CEO of Mercedes? Mercedes worldwide. Mm, well, they've just got a new CEO, haven't they? So, well, you yeah. can always push well, one off. I, and I don't know a lot. Of, I don't know a lot about how much the Mercedes F one team and 
Mercedes as a brand actually interact with each other and what that business model looks like either. So it'll be different come the new regulations, that's for sure. There'll be a lot of research being done. I think and even Mercedes have talked about F one may not be a viable yeah, well, we were saying that, you know, Renault and Mercedes haven't confirmed whether or not they're going to stay around. Interesting that Mercedes is now supplying uh, McLaren back with Mercedes engines next uh, in 2021. So, I mean, we could see Mercedes as an F1 race team decide to pull out, put all their... Do the Renault, just all, do the engines. And go back to that relationship they had with McLaren. Yep. We could see that too because, I mean, they haven't committed. So it's it's interesting to see what would happen. It's going to be, yeah. It's and if they don't commit, then Toto will definitely get employed no, totally. by the F1 at somewhere. Yep. Interesting where Lewis level. goes. Whew, that's something to Ooh. think about. Oh, let's, let's talk about Alfa Romeo because, mate, they finished fourth and fifth. And I've just got a, a, a thing here. The constructors points for Brazil. Red Bull got 25 points and that was just max. Yep. Alfa Romeo got 22 points. They're the second highest constructors points. And then Toro Rosso with 19, along with McLaren at 19, Renault 8, Mercedes 6, and Racing Point 2. You would never have said this year that Alfa Romeo would have been the second highest points scoring team in a race. Yeah, look, let's just give it some perspective. Oh, we know was, this is a ridiculous a race. Of, there was a lot of incidents that happened in order for this these race results. But good on them. Kimi drove. Kimi came fourth, man. What an we absolute said, star. We said at the end of last race that Kimi has awoken from his hangover <laughs> and he's got it back together. He certainly and did this time. He certainly did this oh, weekend. Good which, overtakes. which is probably only the second race in this second half of the season that we've seen him perform. Giovinazzi was outstanding. Not as good as Kimi, but outstanding all race. Um, they still would have had a double points finish regardless of some of the... Uh, yep the incidents that we saw. So, yeah, good on them. That's that's good to see. It's really good to see. Almost as good as McLaren breaking an enormous drought for them. In fact, the last podium that they had was K-Mac. Back in 2013, 14? It's just a long time ago. At Hungary? It was, well, it's been over 2,000 days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of races. And it was... Awarded after the race. So Lewis Hamilton crossed the line in third. Uh, he had a bit of a tangle with Alex Albon on uh, talking about trying to go down into, you know, a corner, looking at corner 10, uh, came in and span Alex around. The door was open-ish. Lewis was just trying to get up Ish. there. Um, <laughs> of course, Albon was going to close it because he was on the line, but d- devastating for him. He uh, he ended up finishing way down the pack in um, – 14th, which is really sad for him, but he still managed to get in front of the yeah. wheels of Kubica yeah. in those last two ra- two laps. But anyway, uh, you've got all of that going on. And so he gets a five-second penalty after the race, which means Carlos Sainz gets promoted into third. And since, you know, the 2022 days or how long it's been, he finally stands up there. Mate, the entire McLaren team get on the bloody podium. In fact, I think it's their preference is to have the whole podium to themselves and their own bottle of carbon champagne and Estrella light and all that stuff, man. I think it, it tips off a good season for McLaren. Yeah. And the first good season we've had from them in a long time. And I think out of the two drivers, Carlos deserves it the most. Oh, Carlos has pantsed Lando since about race five or six we spoke about it really early on that Carlos had had a lot of bad luck. He just needed some stuff to go his way. But he is definitely the number one driver in that team and consistently outperformed Lando all year. So I think Lando's got some learning to do over this mid-season break, or this end-of-season break going into next year because we like, like you guys love Lando. I'm not sold on him after Monaco. I just can't stand the guy. But um, I think... Look, I think Lando's got some big improvements to make next year to prove that he does belong in this sport. But because Carlos and Carlos would be stoked too, his first podium. Oh yeah, very much a shame that we didn't see it after the race because we were sitting. Me and Tommy were sitting there like, are they going to give Hamilton a penalty? And I thought it was a racing incident. Personally, I don't think you can. I just think these things happen in motorsport. You can't penalise absolutely everything, but that's the way the stewards have gone this weekend for the whole race. 
But to not see them when we should have seen them on the podium was a real shame. But Yeah, I agree. Um, going out to the millions of viewers on the TV and the audience would have just been great for McLaren and Zach Brown. Yeah. He would have been stoked. So They'll still take it, though. Oh, they will. <laughs> and they'll talk about it. But, and Lando um, finished in eighth. So yeah, not, double not, points finished. Although if he uh, was uh, a tenth faster, he would have been in seventh because with Hamilton's penalty. Anyway, it's probably spewing about that. Mate. Pierre Gasly finished second. Jeez, Pierre the, Gasly the finished second. Boy. I haven't ragged on him in a while. I tell you what. Right, let's give it some perspective. Right. Okay, let's bring the perspective to me, Campy. The kid's been rubbish at best all year. Since he's gone back to Toro Rosso, he's been pretty good. He knows that car. It's well suited to his driving. As we talked about before, he drives it from the rear end. You know, a lot of... A lot of, lot of over. Oh, sorry, understeer. Yeah, that's the way he drives cars well. But for him to get second, I mean, congratulations. Can't take anything away from him. I don't think he deserved it. Unfortunately, it's one of those races that everything went his way. Yep. There was not one ounce or iota of bad luck in what happened on the race. Everything foiled to him completely. But he really gained six net positions because of crashes and retirements. And yep. that puts him in P8, which is pretty stock standard for where Red uh, for Toro should be. But anyway, congratulations to him. It's been a tough year for him. I think for him to get a podium in his second last race will probably instill a hell of a lot of belief in him that he does belong there. It'll give him confidence for the team. Kvyat's had a podium. Gasly's had a podium. Out of those other Red Bull drivers, Albon's the only one to not have a podium all year. Interesting, isn't it? um, Look, credit where credit's due. Good on you, mate. Hopefully it... uh, Hopefully it picks up your psychological. Yeah, oh, and game we, we always we don't want the worst for anyone. So no, I, I no. think I think it's good for him, um, and certainly for him to be in the headlines for being replaced by Albon. For now, him being in the headlines for getting second. Yeah, I think it's a good. It's He's a good, certainly a good thing for him. Showing a bit of fight. Let's finish off with Red Bull. We spoke about Red Bull. Uh, obviously, Albon not finishing anywhere near where he should have been. He should have been in second. Actually, can I just touch on? the last straight coming towards the, the checkered flag with Gasly yeah. and Lewis and Lewis just sitting basically next to his <laughs> sidebod. Gasly said after the race, even to Lewis listening in from the driver's um, briefing room, or sorry, the driver's change room afterwards, cool down room, I should say that he's like, oh, I was just trying to get lower in the car and just holding the overtake button so I had less drag to just make sure <laughs> that I was going faster, <laughs> which I think is such a great comment because I mean, you know, we don't know what the RS was doing with the Mercedes car, but I'll tell you what. And Hamilton had some damage on his wing yeah, too. So. so there's a lot of stuff that was impacting. We yeah. know the Merck's more powerful than the Toro Rosso, but, you know, that was that kind of, it is to, literally racing to the line yeah. and their qualification time was exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. As in, you know, they both crossed the line at the same time before uh, Lewis's penalty because that's how bloody close it was, which I think is fantastic. All right, let's talk yeah. about Maxi Max in the, in the Funky Punch. Um he just was a star. We've spoken a little bit about him already, but yep. talk, talk to me about why you think Max has just got this natural talent and this ability to just find pace and motivation at times where it seems like all hope is lost. Well, his mother's a racing driver, much like his father, which I learnt on one of the Beyond the Grid podcasts when we were, I think it was Ralph Schumacher. No, I was actually talking to Joss Verstappen. Oh, was it Joss? Uh, maybe anyway. Oh, sorry. No, you're right. Ralph was talking. Ralph yes. was talking about. Sorry. I actually raced with his yes. mum and dad. Yes, sorry. Which was you're in, absolutely right. Which was yes. interesting. So, he's obviously got some pedigree in uh in racing ability, and he's probably the most naturally gifted driver I think we've ever seen. He stormed onto the F1 stage, and his first race with Red Bull, he got the win. Not that he should have got the win. They stuffed up the uh the pit stops or the strategies for Danny Rick, which allowed him. But anyway, he naturally is a good driver. And we've everyone said it since day one, this kid will be a world championship one day. It just depends on when it will be. And he's been in Formula One for four years now. And he's a veteran. Yeah. He's one of he's the old veteran. guard. He's one of... Yeah, he, he really is. And there's quite a big gap between these young guys, you know, the younger sort of being 23 and younger. 
to the likes of Vettel, Ricardo, Bottas, Hulkenberg, all these guys that are in their 30s and probably staring down the barrel of not too many more years in F1. So, um, But he's a superstar. He's got at least another decade in him. You he's, have to say, like, just he, with his commitment. He's got he's got a ruthless... And if you look at Kimi, uh, it's almost two decades, yeah. which is pff, scary. But Max has a ruthless tenacity behind that driving wheel when that helmet visor goes down. He's all business. The line comes out. And I think it was good for his development that he raced Danny Rick too because they pushed each other really well. I think when you get to the end of Verstappen's career, you'll be saying the fastest guy ever drove was Danny Rick. And he pants me yep. a lot of the time. Yep. So I think you're right. I love to see it. But congratulations to Red Bull and Christian Horner and the team. So we always thought they would win this race. Yeah. We made some prediction about what wins they would have. And this Mexico, I think Monaco was another one, and Hungary was the four that we sort of said that would win. And we've got three out of the five right. So. Look, we're pretty useless at most things, but we can at least <laughs> say that uh, we were right about Brazil. Yes, that's right, Grosjean. Hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. Coming <laughs> up, though, we've got our last race for 2019 in uh, Abu Dhabi. And, uh, well, let's – I mean, last year it was a Hamilton win, um, followed by Seb Vettel and a Ferrari, and then Max and Daniel both in Red Bull. So, it, potentially, we depending on how things go and how ridiculous things go again with different <laughs> drivers and different teams, yeah. we might see something fairly similar with a Mercedes 1-2 uh, and, and Ferrari, Charles Leclerc or Seb pushing it in there because, you know, we know they're good in the desert. Bahrain obviously was great for... Yeah. Uh, it was great for Charles earlier in the year. So maybe it's redemption time for him. But Campy, it's all to come. It's going to be just you and I again for the next podcast. But uh, I just want to shout out to Krish. Krish, thank you for reviewing us uh, for five stars and subscribing. Um, you Lad. say hashtag checking. I wonder where you got that from. <laughs> uh, possibly the best F1 podcast around. They say, well done, boys. Keep it up and keep telling it how it is. Well, look, we certainly will do. If you haven't already, please subscribe like Chris and many, many other people. Wherever you're listening in the world, we just want to say thank you for taking the time to do that and for taking the time to subscribe and leave a review. If you haven't done so already, we would really appreciate it. Campy, I'm looking forward to the last race, although a bit sad for 2019 to come to a close. But uh, again, Tommy T, we miss you, mate. We hope you have a wonderful time wherever you are at. Absolutely. And the same for you, wherever you're listening. Thank you. And we will see you next time. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, let's get into it. Sports Social Podcast Network.